Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Matthew. The Gospel Record of Matthew in chapter number 1. The Gospel Record of Matthew and chapter number 1. We're continuing with Jesus Christ and tracing it all the way back to Adam and doing a character study or trying to do a summary of all the 64 generations from Adam to Jesus Christ. We had finished last time talking about the lineage, the um, intertestament lineage, where there was eight people between Zerubbabel to um, to Jesus Christ that lived within that period of time, the 400 years of silence uh, between Malachi to Matthew. Now as we find our way to the gospel record of Matthew and we go to chapter number one, we start off by giving this familiar lineage now that we've traveled through together in this lineage tracing the kingly line of Jesus Christ. So if you wouldn't mind, look with me in the gospel record of Matthew chapter number one. The gospel record of Matthew chapter number one, and notice with me in verse number one. Matthew chapter one and verse one, the Bible says this, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Adam. Adam beget Isaac, Isaac beget Jacob, Jacob beget Judas and his brethren, and Judas beget Perez and Zerah of Tamar, and Perez beget Esram, Esram beget Aram, Aram beget Amenadab, Amenadab beget uh, Nason, Nason beget Solomon, Solomon beget Boaz of Rechab, and Boaz beget Obed of Ruth, and Obed beget Jesse, and Jesse beget David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. And Solomon begat Rehoboam, and Rehoboam begat Abia, Abia begat Asa, Asa begat Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat begat Jehoram, Jehoram begat Ozias, Ozias begat Jotham, Jotham begat Achaz, Achaz begat um, Hezekiah, Hezekiah begat Manasseh, Manasseh begat Ammon, Ammon begat Josias, and Josias begat Jehonas and his brethren about the time that they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jehonas begat Selethiel, Selethiel begat Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel begat Abed, Abed begat Eliasim, Eliasim begat Azar, Azar begat Zadok, Zadok begat Achim, Achim begat Eliad, Eliad begat Eleazar, Eleazar begat Mathen, Mathen begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So are the generations of Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David to the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Christ... Jesus Christ was on this wise, as when his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. 
But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. And with this, we see the kingly line that is listed here in Matthew. And in this, we also see Joseph here. And I want to preach a message about Joseph. And as we're understanding the kingly line lineage here, I want to entitle this as we study Joseph, and I want to call him King Maker. King Maker. And if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you for the great privilege it is to be in your house today to open up your word and to learn more about you from your precious word. I'm asking that you would give us grace even now as we open up the Bible, that you would help us to have a great understanding of Joseph and his life and the importance that he has inside of this lineage of Christ and the important job that he had as the stepfather of your son. Lord, I'm asking that you would help us to have a great understanding, great wisdom in this passage, in this important person. I'm asking even now that you would fill me with your precious spirit, that we could trust you to get your own work accomplished through your precious word. And in your name we pray. Amen. Now again, as we've stated over and over, the gospel record of Matthew chapter 1 lists the kingly lineage of Jesus Christ. And remember that this was an important promise that God had made starting in Genesis chapter 3 that he was going to produce a a seed of the woman. It was an important promise given to Abraham that Abraham was going to have a seed that was going to bless the entire world. It was an important promise promise given to David, that David was promised that he would have someone that would inherit his kingly title from him. And the gospel record of Matthew traces that lineage and traces how Jesus Christ would have and should have inherited this title of king. Now, there is a little bit of a stop Because God had cursed one of the last kings of of Jerusalem, of Judah, because he had aggravated God so much that he ripped up the Bible and threw it in the fire, tried to kill God's prophets. And God said, I'm done. I've had enough. And God put a curse on anyone that was blood related to him and that would sit on the throne of of Jerusalem. So because of this, the inheritance was cut off and the people were brought to Babylon. And as time went on, 
they continue to have children and we see the, uh, the lineage continue on. And we see that in this lineage, there was a man in this lineage by the name of Jake, Joseph. And in this, we see here, understanding history and understanding the lineage, that if there was a, a king that came from David inside of this time of Jesus' birth, that Joseph would have and should have been the king of Jerusalem at this time. Now, think about this. He should have been the king. But instead of being the king, he's up in Nazareth in a small town, backwater town that everyone makes fun of because of their accent, because of their being out in the woods, because of their way that they're raised, they're uneducated, they're just backwards hill folks. And that's where he has a job. That's where he's swinging a hammer. And you know, if you were in that type of situation, thinking of your lineage, thinking, you know what? I should have been the king. I could have been the king. And if it wasn't for my ancestor who messed up, I messed everything up. I should have been the king. Could you imagine it could have been very easy for someone to be upset and bitter over their circumstances? This is not where I should have been in life. I should have been somewhere else. Something different should have happened to me. And it's very easy for people to get in that position to become bitter, to become angry, to become distraught, to become to the place where they're disenchanted in their lot in life. You know, there are so many times that people say, you know what, it's because of my lineage that I'm just who I am. You know, my daddy was a thief, so therefore I have no other choice to become a thief. You know, my grandfather was a hustler, so you know, I'm just, that's my lot in life. I have to be a hustler. That they understand that they feel like their lineage, that because of the mistakes that's been done in the past, that it's affected them and that there can no amount to nothing. That I have no choice. I'm just who I am. I'm just stuck because my dad's a loser, because my grandfather's a loser, because of the heritage I'm in. But you understand that doesn't have to be true at all. You understand that God is a God of new beginnings and he takes you from where you are. And he could bring you forward. That your past does not have to dominate your life. And by the way, because it doesn't have to dominate your life, it cannot be used as an excuse. Well, this is just how I am. You understand God can change you. And God can do a work. And you cannot use your past as an excuse when Jesus Christ promises you a brand new future. We're thankful for what Jesus Christ can do to change us. But as we go through here, we could see a very interesting thing occurs. Notice with me in verse number 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David to the carrying away of Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away to Babylon and to Christ are 14 generations. Again, we're summarizing that this kingly line should have and went through Joseph. Joseph is part of this kingly line. By the way, can you imagine that this is an amazing idea here? That God always kept track of who was supposed to be the inheritor of this kingly line. And isn't it amazing that he just so happened to marry the woman who was going to fulfill the promise? And that God placed them together and that Jesus Christ who was born of Mary inherited this kingly line 
through his stepfather, the one who raised him. God knew what he was doing. But notice in verse number 18, and I want you to use your divine imagination with me. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found of child of the Holy Ghost. So here is an interesting situation that occurred. That Joseph and Mary were contractually a set to be married. We may use the word courtship today. So they have already said, we're going to get married. This is our plan. Maybe you want to use the word engaged. They're not officially married yet, but they're at the place where they're headed that direction. They've already got things worked out. We're going to get married. This is how things are going to go. They've already have all those plans, but something happened. I want you to imagine, I may update this a little bit, but I'm asking you to use your divine imagination. I want you to imagine that one day Joseph gets a phone call. I understand there's no phones there, but play with me for a second. And so Joseph gets a phone call and he says, hello, can I help you? And he hears the voice on the other side. Oh, it's Mary. Oh, I'm so glad to hear from you. And she goes, Joe, I need to speak with you. I need you to come over. Um, I don't like the tone of your voice. Is everything all right? Yeah, things are going to be all right. Thing, uh, things are all right, but I need to talk to you. Can you come over right now? Uh, okay, well, that's your troubled voice. Am I in trouble? No, no, Joe, you're not in trouble, but I need to talk with you. That never goes good when you have that conversation. I need you to come over and I need, <laughs> we need to talk. All right, so he comes over and he's got a pit in his stomach. What's going on? What's happening? But the news she gives him is probably the worst news. Now again, this conversation had to have happened. Joseph, I need you to sit down. I think I'm going to stand. I think you better sit down. I got to tell you something serious. Oh, you got that serious look in your face. What's going on? Joseph, sit down. No, no, no. Just tell me. Tell me what's going on. Joseph, I'm expecting. I better sit down. happened? What happened? Who did this to you? Tell me who did this to you. I'll run them through. You tell me who did this. Joe, 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 Joe. Nope. Nobody did this to me. What do you mean nobody did? You tell me who it is. I'll take my pitchfork. I'll drive him through. I, I just, I won't let him get away. You tell me who violated you. Tell me who messed with you. Joseph, don't blast me. What do you mean don't blast me? What are you talking about? Tell me what happened. How, how'd you get there? By the way, she, by the time she gives her this announcement, she's about six months pregnant. She's been living with Elizabeth for about six months, according to the gospel record of Luke. She comes back and from her vacation and talks to Joseph. Joseph, I'm expecting. Well, who did this to you? God did this. What? You, you want to, me to believe that nobody did this to you, that God got you pregnant? Now let's pause here. How would that conversation go in today's world where some lady calls up her, her fiance and says, hey, I want to let you know, I didn't do anything wrong. God did this to me. Do you think that would be kind of hard to swallow? 
it was probably hard to swallow for Joseph during that time to that conversation. What? What do you mean? And now what do I do with this? She's obviously expecting we can't hide it. What do we do with this? Now she said she didn't do anything wrong. God did this to her. I, who, it's bad enough that she's knocked up, but now she wants to play me as a fool. Kind of interesting dilemma, isn't it? And with this, we begin to learn something about Joseph. Now, remember that Joseph should have and would have been the king of Israel at this time. But he is not going to be king of Israel and there's nothing he can do about it. However, he is going to be tasked with being the stepfather of someone else's kid with the responsibility that instead of him being a king, he was supposed to raise this child to be the king. This is why we see Joseph as the king maker. That his task was not to be the king. His task was to train and raise and make a king. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to do a study of Joseph. And I want to show you some characteristics of a king maker. What are some characteristics of someone who is tasked of raising someone else to be a child of the king? To be a king, to be someone who is usable by God. What are the characteristics of a king maker. Well, the very first thing I'd like to show you here is that he was a just man. He was a just man. Notice with me as the Bible describes him in verse number 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Being a just man. Now, this is how the Bible describes him. The word just in the Bible is a legal term. And it carries the idea of a legal idea that he is righteous. That he does things that are right. And so as we see the first characteristics of a kingmaker, as we study Joseph, we see that he was a just man. He was someone who had a characteristic in his life to be legally righteous, to be legally just. That means that he tried to do the things that were right in his life. Well, if we are going to raise a king and we're going to raise someone to follow the Lord, we're going to raise someone to be usable by God, that king maker has the responsibility of being a just person. Being a just person person. Being someone who is legally righteous. Someone who is on purpose doing right things, by the way, in the sight of God. Now with that, we understand that sometimes we get in a principle, do what I say, not what I do. Well, being a just man is someone that you could pattern your life after. 
That is someone who does what he says. This is someone who's consistent with his life. He's not holding a different standard for me than what he is holding for himself. And as Joseph is tasked by God, by the way, to raise God's child, he has a responsibility of a king maker that his first thing is that he had to be a righteous person himself. That if he is going to raise someone to live right for God, then he needs to be someone who lives for God. You know, sometimes we have what is called baby dedications. And may I say that those baby dedications, we're glad to do them, but we cannot necessarily dedicate a child to the Lord in the sense that the child has no choice in that matter. But during that baby dedication, what we are doing is that we're dedicating the child's parents to the Lord, that they've made a decision they're going to live for the Lord for the purpose of raising this child to serve God. That's what it's for. That you've made a decision. I am going to raise this child to serve God. I am dedicating my life that I recognize I have a responsibility for this child. May I take a pause here? Do you recognize that us as parents, the kids that God places for us are not ours. They're God's. They're Ours on loan, we are to be good stewards and every single parent will be held accountable and stand before God and give an account for how well we raised God's children to serve Him. You understand that's a big task. And this is what Joseph recognized in his life. And he was a just man, recognizing that I had to be legally righteous in the sight of God to raise his child to serve him. This is a big deal. That he was a just man. That's part of being a king maker. Is that you have to have a righteous life yourself in order to train someone to live righteously. He was a just man. Something else that we see about Joseph is that he did not react without thinking. He did not react without thinking. Now in verse 18, wasn't Joseph dumped a big bombshell? Maybe we could say one of the biggest bombshells of all of history. A bombshell that, hey, Joseph, I'm expecting and God did this to me. Now, Imagine in the world we live in and maybe the people that you associate with, how would they receive the news? Would there be some dishes that may be broken? Maybe some furniture that's some damaged? A hole in the wall somewhere? Things that are thrown? Maybe a lot of shouting? Maybe a lot of tears? Maybe a lot of things that are going on? That's someone who's reacting without thinking. But Joseph, he didn't react. He thought first. He thought first. So Joseph, he didn't react until he thought. He didn't react without thinking. Where people will react and not think. You understand the difference that I'm trying to explain here. Notice what it says here. Verse number 19. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example. Now, isn't that kind of Joseph? He, you know, 
they had Old Testament laws still in effect that he could have dragged around and said, listen, I was supposed to get married, but she cheated on me. Everyone mark her. He could have ruined her by that. And he would have been technically correct in allowing that to happen. But Joseph being a just man says, you know, I still love her and I don't want to hurt her. And so he was going to put her away privately. He was going to put her away and said, all right, I'm sorry we can't get married, but maybe we could set her aside and still try to take care of her. I just, you know, he's trying to decide what to do with her. You know, still trying to take care of her because he loves her. But, you know, with this, she's cheer- something happened. Something clearly happened. I mean, it doesn't just happen overnight. It's not just an accident. Something happened. I mean, wouldn't that be a normal train of thought here? <laughs> Something clearly happened. I thought she was a good person. I thought she was sweet. I thought she was innocent. She taught a Sunday school class. She was sweet. How, why could she do this? He said, I'm going to put her aside privately. I'm not going to make her a public example and put her away privately. But notice this. But while he thought on those things. Again, he didn't react. He didn't throw a fit. He didn't belittle her. He said, you know, (laughs) this is heavy stuff. Let me go think on this and I'm going to decide what to do. You know, if we're going to raise a king, a child of God, someone to serve God, we have to be people who don't react. We need to be people who think first. So many times, and by the way, you could probably tell me stories. How many times have we made a bad situation worse because we did not respond properly? We flew off the handle. We got mad. We threw a fit. We stopped listening. We just started to attack mode. We're hurting, so we're going to hurt them. Imagine how this story would have changed. Imagine how that relationship would have been strained at the very beginning if he didn't respond to the news. Now, think of poor Mary. How much courage did she have to get that day to make the call? Do you think that was an easy call to make and to say, I've got to go tell I meant, this is a big deal. And by the way, what would be her biggest fear for him to blow off of the handle? Wouldn't that be your biggest fear to go tell someone the worst news and you just expecting them not to respond well? Praise the Lord, he didn't react. But while he thought on those things, he went and said, I got to think on these things. And by the way, implied in here is when he's thinking on those things, he's outside praying. Lord, I thought she was the one for me. I thought you put us together. I thought you had a plan for this, God. What do I do with this? What do I do? I I need help. I have no solution. Lord, what do I do? Can you hear his brokenhearted cry as he's talking to God? Can you feel his heart just breaking in two? He loved this girl. I loved her. Lord, what do I do now? My whole world is topsy-turvy. My parents loved her. We had things set up. What do I do? While he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Praise the Lord. God intervened. You know, this would be something that God would have to come in and say, hey, Joseph, she didn't lie to you. That was probably a relief to him that she what did keep her character. She did keep her integrity because up until that time, he had no evidence that she wasn't lying. 
In fact, everything to the contrary. How can she say that she's never done anything wrong when you could see six months of tummy out there? And while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take thee, marry thy wife. Now, why does he tell him not to fear? Because he was afraid. What would everybody say if I take this girl who's clearly expecting and took them? Wouldn't everybody suspect that if she's showing up at our wedding day, won't everybody suspect that we did something wrong? What is everybody else going to say? What else is going to happen? What happens if I take her? If I can't trust her before we got married, how can I trust her after we get married? Again, this idea of fear, even though he's thinking upon it, you can't get away. That, that's a real emotion. And he had to deal with. And the angel said, fear not to take thee, marry thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. God stepped in and said, Joseph, <laughs> this isn't a sad day. This is a great day. Everything she told you was true. This is of God. The Holy Spirit did this. This is God's plan. Oh, do you think that he was really glad that he didn't blow up at her? How horrible would have been if he just called her all kinds of names and threw stuff. And then God said, oh, by the way, she was right. That would have been awful, wouldn't it? And so, by the way, this happened. This conversation had to have occurred. And so Joseph got reacting from God. And said, don't be afraid to take her. Verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus and he shall save his people from their sins. Now, when this is done, it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and it shall come forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted God with us. Now, notice with me in verse 24. <laughs> and Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had been in him and took unto him his wife. What do we see here? He was obedient to God's word. He was obedient to God's word. That if you're going to be a kingmaker and you're going to be put in charge of raising someone for the Lord and raising them to be a servant of the Lord, one thing that you have to be in your life is obedient to God's word. To be obedient to God's word. That you have to obey what God's given to you. You got to be obedient to the things that God's given to you so you can train them to be obedient. To follow after what God's given unto them. You understand there's a lot of things in life that you learn passively and not actively. We know there's two types of teaching. There's active teaching and there's passive teaching. Active teaching is the actual curriculum that I'm getting across. Passive teaching are things that I'm teaching you that you don't even realize that you're learning as we're bringing it across. Part of what you learn unconsciously is obedience. You learn from someone else who's walking with God how to walk with God by watching them, by looking at their life. As, by the way, children may be hypocrites themselves, but they could spot other hypocrites a mile away. If someone says, I'm following God and they're not, kids can spot that. And it drives them further from God. It doesn't bring them closer. But when they find someone who's serving God and being obedient to God, it brings them closer to the Lord. And so there's something to it. There's something real. There's something consistent. That's part of being a king maker. 
So, so far of Joseph, we learn that he was a just man. He was a righteous man, just uh, legally. He was righteous before God, that he didn't react without first thinking. Aren't you glad he didn't react? We see that he was obedient to God's word. Verse 25, and he knew her not till she had been forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That means even after they got married, he on purpose did not consummate the marriage for the purpose of not bringing into question the lineage of Jesus Christ. He wanted to make sure that he could not be accused of being the actual biological father. And so he purposely restrained himself from legally uh, consummating a marriage that was now legally set after they got married in order to make sure that no one could mar that. He wanted to make sure that the testimony, he went out of his way to make sure that testimony was secure. That's a powerful man who wants to make sure he goes to the links to make sure his testimony is intact. You know, sometimes we don't guard our testimonies as closely as we should. We should guard our testimonies even more for the purpose of making sure that those that we're training are serving God and that we have the testimony to give to them to pass on to it. Again, he had this huge responsibility. He's not raising his child. He's raising God's child to him on loan. And he is going to be tasked with the most important job of raising the son of God to become the man God desired him to follow. This is an important job. Could you imagine the responsibility? By the way, every parent does have this responsibility. But we're not done yet. What else did he teach him? Well, notice me as we go to chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, rather. In Luke chapter 2, we have the birth of Jesus Christ, that he was actually born. And I want you to see the follow-up of this. As Jesus Christ is now born... And he is being raised by Joseph, the stepfather. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 41. Luke 2 and verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year to the feast of the Passover. And it goes on and now it gives an event ways to. But notice this. Something else is that he was faithful to God's house. That he was there at God's house in the appointed times that he was supposed to be. Joseph was faithful. Now, what is that teaching him? That's training Jesus. Now, we know Jesus is perfect. We understand that's a whole thing. But Joseph is still responsible of raising him and being the example. And Joseph was faithful to God's house. You know, if we're going to raise a child for God, we cannot do it if we're not faithful to God's house. There's no other way. There's no other substitute. You have to be faithful to God's house if you're going to train a child to be faithful to the Lord. Someone who goes to church part-time is not going to get a full-time Christian out of it. We have to be faithful to God's house and give that example that no matter what, we're going to be there. It doesn't matter if we're sick, doesn't matter if we're hurting, doesn't matter if there's a minor ache, if I stub my toe, we're going to be faithful to church the best we can unless there's something clearly keeping us from going. We're going to be faithful to God's house that we made this determination. Remember, he had the responsibility. He could not be the king. He was the king maker. By the way, isn't that almost a more exalted position? I'm the one who trained the king. I'm the one who trained the king how to be the proper king that he ought to be. 
the king maker. Now there's something else that we learn that's implied in scripture, but is important too. He taught his stepson how to work. He taught his stepson how to work. Remember Jesus did not begin his public ministry until he was 30 years old. What did Jesus do during the time? Did he stay in his parents' basement? He worked. His occupation? A carpenter. Where did he learn that trade? His dad taught him. His dad taught him how to work. By the way, work is not something you learn from a book. Work is something you learn by experience, by doing it. And he taught his son, his stepson, the one that he's placed in charge, Joseph taught the one that was on loan to him how to work. How to work. And when Joseph passed, guess who ran the shop until he was 30? Jesus did. He taught him how to work. This is how we do this. This is how we work with our hands. This is how we deal with customers. This is how we deal with a fire. This is how we deal with the nails. This is how we buy. This is how he taught him how to work. By the way, a missing skill in so many people today is they don't know how to work. And whose responsibility? It's the parent's job to teach them how to work, to give them a job, to make them work, to teach them to do, to be responsible, to teach them to work. And that's something, didn't he do a good job? Now again, Joseph was charged. He could not be the king because of the things that has happened in his past. Things that he didn't have control of. He could not have been the king. But he had the most responsible job to be the king maker. Now think of the influence that people have. Think of an influence that a Sunday school teacher has. They're king makers. They're teaching those kids and influencing them. To serve God. Think of parents. Maybe there's sometimes there's a parent out of there. Here is a stepfather. You know in the Bible we can see quite a, a lot. When someone else is raising other people's kids. Think of Leah. Who's in charge of raising her sister's kids. For the Lord. Didn't she do a good job with Joseph? Absolutely. How about a Mordecai. Who is the cousin of Esther. Who's Esther. Her parents died. And Mordecai had the responsibility of raising his cousin for the Lord. Didn't he do a good job? Absolutely. And so you could see that you, it may not be that you are the direct parent, the biological parent. But you may have a different position to be a king maker and influence people, young boys, young girls, men and women to serve the Lord. And if we're going to be a kingmaker, these are some things, just like there were qualities in Joseph's lives, characteristics in Joseph's lives, these need to be characteristics that are in our lives. That if we're going to train people to serve God, to be a child of the king, to follow after him, we have the great privilege to be kingmakers. So who is it that God has placed in your life to raise for the Lord? It could be that you have influence over a neighbor's kid's Sunday school class. Maybe there's some children in the church that you can influence. Maybe it's that you have a Sunday school class. Maybe there's something else that you have the responsibility of being a kingmaker. Do not look lightly on that job. It is one of the most important jobs in all of the universe. Don't you think Joseph when you look at it, the light of history, had one of the most important jobs of all the universe? Absolutely, without a doubt.
And so take this responsibility seriously that you have the privilege to be a king maker, to raise children for the purpose that they serve the great king in heaven and that they have an important job and we have the influence in our life to raise the child of a king. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.